welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So we're going to spend some time this afternoon really looking at um, the gifts of the Spirit, but in particular the revelatory gifts. Um, and later on in November into December we'll be looking at healing and deliverance. But at the moment, we're going to be looking at the revelatory gifts like the prophecy and distinguishing of spirits and words of knowledge and things like that. And just trying to get hold of what it says in, in Scripture. And I would encourage you, um, since we're going to be talking about gifts of the Spirit, look in your Bible and look up every sort of chapter or book that you can find something on the gifts. Uh, I mean, 1 Corinthians um, 12 and 14 is quite a common one, but you'll find it in Romans and in other books of the Bible. So just have a search around and see what you can find, okay? But we're looking here particularly at what we see in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14. So this is Gifts of the Spirit in ministry. And if you remember, um, I've been saying to you that the language of the Holy Spirit is not English, it's not German. Yes, it can be those, but it's more. You know, it's a lot more. And to be honest with you, the gifts of the Spirit are his language. It's the way that he speaks. It's the way that he makes things known. Okay? So learning how to respond to those gifts is is very important. Um, And we're quite clear in Scripture. It tells us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So... You know, we're all being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you're full of the Holy Spirit. He's come. He's come to you, as we've spoken earlier on. And we have learned to pray for each other, to be filled with the Spirit, to expect more of the Spirit to, to come into our lives so that it's not just a one-off occasion, but he likes to come and he come and he come. You know, he's an infinite God, and therefore, no wonder we can just say, fill me more, Lord, because he's just infinite, Right? And we're finite. But every time he comes, there's an impartation, there's a change occurring in us, you know. So, but we're, we're encouraged to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And I get a little bit saddened, I think, when I see Christians who just don't seem to be at all interested or bothered. And yet, we're told, earnestly desire, I mean, it's pretty strong words, earnestly desire them. Um, And unfortunately, I think what has happened in the church-wide, if you like, is that because people haven't really learned or understood how to respond to the Holy Spirit and about this, his language and the way that he speaks and the way that he moves, they concluded that it had all finished, it all died out. And so you get all that teaching that, you know, that was for the apostles, but we don't need that anymore because we've got the Bible. You see here... We've got this, and if you've got that revelation, we don't need anything else. Well, that's a bit upside down, as far as I can see. Gosh, you just need the outpouring, the Father's promise. He's just promised, I will pour out my Spirit upon you. And we need to um, keep being aware that we need to uh, pursue him. And I, and I think it's, a love, it's like part of love, really. I'm married. I've been married for now 34, 35 years. And I continue to pursue Kath. I don't just assume 
because we've been married this long, it doesn't really matter. It's something that I love to do. I, it's part of my love towards her. I pursue her. Now, if you're in a love relationship with God and he loves you, then that's why this phrase is there, earnestly desire. Because it's uh, the whole aspect of the gifts of the Spirit is to do with love. You know, Paul makes it quite clear. If you haven't got love, you haven't got the basic thing. You know, you can have prophecy and revelations and power. And all of that is just like a clanging symbol. It's nothing unless it's carried in this wonderful place called love. So, no wonder he encourages us to earnestly desire. Because it's all part of our love walk with him. Um, he has chosen to express himself in this world through us. Like Barney's testimony on Sunday. You know, wonderful, wonderful news. There he is telling guys, look, Jesus is very important. And then two of those guys coming back to him saying, do you really mean this? Yes. Well, how do I get? It's easy. Just say that prayer and you're in a wonderful, loving relationship with Jesus. Wonderful. So, you know, we are that, that um, Jesus has chosen to ref reflect himself, show himself through us. Wonderful. He can do it sovereignly. Um, and he was telling me of a, a Muslim woman that uh, he became aware of, that he's working now for a Christian charity in Manchester. And when they were explaining to her that you know, we are a Christian charity. We will be praying, etc. She says, it's all right. Jesus appeared to me in a dream, so I know him. Oh, it's just wonderful, isn't it? So he can do it sovereignly, but he also does it wonderfully through us. Okay? So he wants to speak. And to be honest with you, he wants to speak more <laughs> than we realize. Um, you know, he's more determined to speak to us to make known himself to us than we really give him credit for sometimes. Um, and as I said, it's not always English that he's speaking in or German that he's speaking in. Uh, you know, there are languages that are common to the spirit world but are not perceivable in the natural realm, right? So the spirit language is, it's not perceivable in the natural realm but it's just common in the spiritual realm. My, uh, oh, here we go. That music is being played in this room all the time. But without a receiver, I can't hear it. And yet it's there. So that the language of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the action of the Spirit is happening all the time around us. But without being attuned to it, you can become deaf. Right? Okay, so I'm just using that as an example to try and help you realize 
that that spiritual realm we talked about last week where, you know, we've been raised up into spiritual places, into heavenly places. And that is not where you go to die, but it's this realm of the spirit that you're in now, where the Holy Spirit is, where he is at work, where the angels are, where demons are. This is the realm that you live in now. And now it's time to start learning to respond to all of that wonderful music that's going on, right? So, um, as I said, you know, in this room, music's playing, but without a radio, you can't hear it. The TV is playing. Without TV, you can't see it. It's the same in the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't... It's just like, what is What are you talking about? Okay. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to the Spirit realm what radio and television are to the natural realm. Right? That's what they are. Elisha's prophetic gifting gave him the ability to hear the king of Aram secrets and enabled him his servants to see and you know his servant's eyes were opened and he could see the army of God he could see all the angelic host so that's where you are you're saying to the, the earnestly desire bit is saying God open my eyes that's open my spiritual eyes open my spiritual ears open my spiritual heart let me, I choose, I want to choose to, to respond in the spirit realm and give what you're giving me. So, here we go. We're, going, we're in this position now where we're beginning to realize that around us is this spiritual realm that we're actually being placed in. The effect of being placed there is that all of the purposes and the works of God that he wants to do can happen and they happen through, through us. So just a little bit about charisma or the gift. The word gift comes from the Greek um, charisma which means a divine enablement granted as a favour. So you can't do anything to earn these gifts. It's not if I'm more holy, more spiritual, more whatever, I get them. They are given as a divine gift. It's grace, favor to you. But we are commanded, as I've been saying, to earnestly desire them, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. So, and, and gifts are not a mark of maturity. Um, maturity you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You know, those are the gifts that are, that are flowing out of that, you know, that vine that we've grafted into. They, they come into our lives. They've, those fruits just come in and mature in us, etc. Gifts are an enablement for you to do the work of God. But it says in Scripture, the Holy Spirit gives without reproach, meaning... You know, uh, I give a gift to Alan. There we go. Alan, you've got these gifts now. And Alan starts to mess up in his life. The Holy Spirit doesn't take him back. They've already been given. So they're not a mark of maturity. They're just an, an enablement to enable you to do the work of God. The supernatural lifestyle is not an option for us. It's not something we go, well, you know, I'm sure it's wonderful for Rebecca because she's, so, she's just so holy. 
But for me, I mean, it just scares the life out of me. I don't want to do it. Or, you know, it's not... Yeah, I don't need to, do I? So I'm not going to bother. No! <laughs> the supernatural lifestyle is absolutely key to all of us. Why? Because there are so many people who are just hurting and need God. You just look in the church. There's enough of them in the church, let alone how many is outside the church, okay? People need to be aware of and know the love of God. Yeah? An option. It, well, I'm just saying it's a key to enable the life of God to come to every person that you meet, whether it's your relatives, your friends, or whatever. You know, if you just think of something simple, you know, not too simple, but just think of something, you know, somebody in your family gets sick. So Kath um, woke up one morning with a lump on her breast. And you, you know the, the fear and the whatever that hits somebody when that happens. Because they just, I mean, especially when she was medical, she just knew, she thought, I know what this is. So the gifts of the Spirit are given for those situations in your family life. So I remember she was there, you know, it was an evening, I got home from work. She said, ah, seeing this, she's crying fear is in the room you know it's just that you can feel it you can oh gosh it's there so right let's pray holy spirit come now and then i get, I get this word just say to her this is not to your death the result of me saying those words they carried life to her she just like you Miriam, started to laugh uncontrollably She's gone from, in a second, from being this fearful, overwhelming, can't cope, etc., to laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing, right? And you felt the whole atmosphere in the room change, and joy came. Following morning, we had Ian Andrews, who I've told you about. He's a, had a wonderful healing ministry in, in um, this country. And words of knowledge are one of the key ways in which he, he helps people get free. So what did he say? I just have a word of knowledge. There's a woman here in this room. You've got a lump on your breast, but it's not cancer. I mean, wonderful gift to give. And of course, it wasn't cancer. And Kath was okay. And what I'm trying to say is there were gifts given by the Holy Spirit we linked into to help our family. That's why it's, it's not an option to have a, not have a supernatural lifestyle. <laughs> because every part of your life is supernatural. It's all part of it being involved okay jesus said these signs would follow those who believe quite clear these signs will follow and you know sometimes you need to take a hard look at your life are these signs following me are there signs of his presence with me in what i'm doing you know there should you should see signs at work at home in church everybody your life because that's what jesus said the signs will follow you Gifting can be imparted to us by the laying on of hands. Um, you can see that in Romans 1 verse 11 and Acts 19 verse 6. And actually there's one later on in uh, Scripture where Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift that's been given to you by the laying on of hands. So that is, the impartation is a key way in which the Holy Spirit uses to 
pass gifts on to people. Or I, what I, I suppose I'm tending more to feel like when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and he came into you and he filled you, you got all of him. You didn't get part of him. So you have access to all of those gifts. What seems to happen with their impartation is it's as if an area of gifting gets highlighted or matured or developed in you much, much quicker than it was, was doing. Um, so that an impartation occurs, whew, all of a sudden you're walking in it. And I, I remember an event myself. Um, I went to a conference with John Wimber. Uh, he asked people to um, stand up. He said, I was just going to pray with you. Um, for the gifts of the Spirit. I think, oh, fantastic. Miracles, come on, I want miracles, want miracles, want miracles. He said, uh, I'm just speaking now, teaching. And it just hit me, boom, like that. <laughs> Somebody hit me in the stomach. And I knew from then on in, I could teach his word. It's just something happened. So impartation occurs when we, you know, we lay our hands on each other. And what I often do with people is, you know, I will pray a prayer like, um, all the gifts and the way I'm seeing them in me, in you, and even more so in you. You know, I want it to be better in you than it ever has been in me. <laughs> That's the desire in my heart. Because I think that would be so stunningly wonderful, wouldn't it? If everybody was moving in all the gifts. You know, could you imagine, we, we look at somebody like Bill Johnson, we think, oh, there he is flowing in the gifts of healing, words of knowledge, etc., now, wouldn't it be better if all of us were even doing more than he is? I mean, he will tell you himself that there were periods in his life when there weren't any gifts flowing in his life. And he was like, God, I'm earnestly desiring. See? Earnestly desiring. And the result, we see him at this end, and you think, gosh, look at that guy. But there's been a period of him pursuing God. And that's what I'm saying to yourselves. I'm encouraging you to pursue God now for these gifts to open up in your life. Whatever type of gifting it is that you're feeling drawn towards, just say, Lord, I'm pursuing it. I want it to happen. So, um, what's the language of heaven? You know, Joel's prophecy recounted in Acts 2 um, shows us that the language of heaven comes in prophecy Visions and dreams, you know, that's what Joel prophecies was all about, uh, about that there would come a point when the Holy Spirit was poured out and young men will dream dreams and all men will you know, see visions. It, it was like you're going to be opened to the supernatural realm. You'd be open to that heavenly realm around us and you're going to start being aware of them. It's not the only way God speaks. Um, I mean, you know... It, it's his word. He speaks clearly through his word. It you know, becomes alive to us. We call it the rhema word when a word of God is spoken and it's, oh, it's just alive in you. You know it, you know. Um, So-called coincidences, you know, things coming together, lining up. You think, gosh, gosh, that's just all coming together. And it's like God speaking to you through it. You know, his still small voice, that quiet voice, he speaks to you. Um, he speaks audibly to people. So there's a myriad of ways in which God communicates. 
But through the gifts of the Spirit, you know, it's in prophecies and visions and dreams. And we're going to start looking a bit more in detail about those. Because I think that some of you will have had these experiences. You may not have been able to understand it clearly or, or know how to move with it. But you will have been having them. So prophecy. Um, well, you've all been they've done the prophetic week. You're all experts now on prophecy. You're running out there, no problem at all, off going, giving pictures, etc. You've been in Rochdale giving prophecies. And I just want to try and expand your understanding a bit about this whole gift of prophecy because it is more than just giving a, uh, let's give a one word, uh, word of encouragement to each other. It, it is a lot more than that. This gift goes into far more detail. But it always handles with edification, exhortation, and comfort. So prophecy has two dimensions to it, foretelling and forthtelling. So we're, we're not going into fortune tellers here, but this is understanding how this prophetic gift works, foretelling and forthtelling. So foretelling is the ability to know and declare the future and is the most commonly understood aspect of prophetic ministry. It's like you get a chance to see something of the future. Yeah, I'll say that again. Foretelling is the ability to know and declare the future. I probably ought to, on my slide, just add the definitions in there. I'll do that next time. For the next school, they'll get it better. <laughs> Okay, so as foretellers, prophetic people are historians of events that have not yet happened. Do you mean historians usually look backwards and write up something? But we as a prophetic person get a chance to see and we tell you about it before you even know about it, right? But future ones, <laughs> <Future> yes. <laughs> um, because we can foretell events because we're seated with Christ in heavenly places outside of time. Which enables you to have a timeless perspective on things. Okay? So when you're looking at somebody's life, you're looking through that wonderful lens of God. Who sees what he has created and what he's forming in them. He knows the beginning to the end. And a bit like Hosanni says, you know, God's like a, um, Holy Spirit's like a sat-nav. You know, when we start to wander off, it keeps bringing us back onto track. You know, it just always keeps bringing you back. And so prophetic words that are given are like seeing you in the future and declaring it now for you. Very encouraging for you. I mean, um, oh, I should have brought it in, shouldn't I? We were given, a church, our church was given a prophecy by a prophet three, four years ago, I think now, four years ago. Um, now, they were, the prophet wanted to give it to Andy and Sharon, and Sharon and Andy didn't want any more prophecies. They just felt they were up to here with them. And, but the prophet kept saying, no, I've got a word for you, got a word for you, I want to speak to you. So they said, okay, okay. So he gave the prophetic word, they recorded it, and they just put it in the drawer. Didn't look at it. Well, they probably did look at it, but didn't really take much cognizance of it. Four years later, 
comes out of the drawer. Do <gasps> you see everything we've been through as a church in this prophetic word? <laughs> giving us encouragement of what... Now, it actually was very encouraging when you look back. It's a bit like a historian saying, oh, look at all that we've been through. And you told us beforehand that it was going to happen. So beforehand, he told us that we were going to leave partners in harvest. Beforehand, he told us. And that's where we are. Now, we didn't know it until we got that prophecy out and looked at the game. So, you know, I'm just trying to give you some encouragement that when prophetic words come, you know, and you, and you know, don't make much, much sense that I put it in the drawer, often it's worthwhile looking at it again because God will have spoken to you and will have helped you through events, okay? So that's foretelling. And that's what you're doing. That's what you're learning to do. Okay? Are you struggling with that? Partners in Harvest is um, an organization that um, John Arn set up many years ago. Um, but it was time for us to leave. Okay? Now, forthtelling is a little bit different. Forthtelling is the God-given ability to cause the future. This is a bit strange, isn't it? But it actually is part of the prophetic gift that you foretell the future and it comes into place. Um, Chris Vallotton says it can come through grace of God or by the ministry of angels. He's experienced it. Uh, I will. Forthtelling is the God-given ability to cause the future. And some examples might help. Um, so Ezekiel, you'll know this story about the Valley of the Dry Bones. You know, and Ezekiel is asked to prophesy over the dry bones. And what happens to them? They come to life. Okay? So he's, by his prophetic words, he's causing something to happen. Right? What God wants to take place. Um, Oh yeah, my, this is, I need to say something about gifts. Gifts are a, um, they like coming clusters. It's rare that they're individual items that you can clear, clear. They usually come in gift clusters. And so the boundaries between prophecy, healing, deliverance, um, you know, um, etc. can be rather merged as they all flow together. So in this particular example, prophecy and healing are being like merged together. But I, I feel that it is part of this forth-telling ability. Um, I had a prophecy. God wants to give babies this morning. So, I mean, in my mind, my, oh gosh, that must be, must be people getting saved, whatever. Anyway, a woman at the back of church broke down, sobbing, heart out at the back of church. Sobbing, 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 sobbing. So I go to the back of church, find out what's going on. I can't have a baby. Doctors told me I can't have a baby. I can't have a baby. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. Listen, God has just said he's giving babies this morning. Forth telling, creating something. She's now has two children. Now, there's a mixture of prophecy and uh, foretelling prophecy and healing going on here. As I said, it's a gift cluster. 
what happens is she stepped into something which is called the prophet's reward. And I'll just go on to explain that a bit more. Um, but in Matthew 10, verse 41, it talks about the prophet's reward. So, and I think it's quite simply put, is when you honor the prophetic word, prophetic ministry, when you honor it, then you receive the benefit of that prophetic word. When you think of it as, oh, well, it's just them speaking, all you're doing is just treating that person as if they're just an ordinary person and they're not carrying that unction from the Spirit. So, you know, this lady invested, this lady invested her belief, trust, honor in the prophetic word God's giving babies this morning. And as she put her belief to it and honored it, what does she get? Babies. And what's that feel like when you're the person who's been giving that? You feel excited. You know, the honor of that ability to be able to speak. And oh, that's happened. It's happened to me three times now that I've prophesied and people have had babies. So it's just like, more God. I want to see that more often. Because how sad it is when people can't have children and yet God wants to release children into them. Why not? So the prophet's reward is the ability to do what you couldn't do one second before you receive the prophetic word. So up to now, I can't do this thing. I receive the prophet the foretelling, the prophetic word, one second afterwards, I can do it. And that's because I honor that gifting that's coming. That's why I'm saying they're like gift clusters. You know, I, I, I'm just trying, I try to split it down, but then in the end, it all gets a bit merged together. You know, uh, but I've got some other testimonies that might help. We call this God-given ability grace. The empowering presence of God that enables us to be all and do all that God wants us to be and do. It's grace. So we're actually... Um, Grace can pull the worst sinner out of the deepest darkness, can't they? You know, worst sinner, cool, grace pulls them out. Grace can transform, transform a mass murderer into the best apostle ever. Paul, do you see what I'm trying to say? Just grace changes you. Um, grace can alter the course of nations, raise a dead person, restore marriages, make sad people drunk with laughter, cause the hopeless to be, have hope, heal the sick, free the demonized and we get to do it all through this wonderful prophetic gift it's just stunning as far as i can see because god wants to speak he always wants to speak and when he speaks it says that when his word goes forth it accomplishes everything that he intended to do oh gosh <laughs> you're right 
good. <laughs> when his word goes forth, it accomplishes everything that it intends to do. Um, I don't have a ref. I have a reference at home for that, and I'll search it for you. Okay. The value that an individual places on the word determines the power you receive from it. So if you don't put any value on the prophetic word that's coming, you're going to miss it. And that's why prophetic reward is so important. And it's important to learn, to honour the gift, the words that are coming to you. Okay? It, well, yes, I mean, authorities. I'm going to next week talk about authority because you're walking authority in the authority of Jesus. So you're doing the same thing. What gets in our way is mostly what we think up here. Oh, it can't happen to me. It won't happen to me. I won't be able to do it. I don't know how to do it. I can't hear it. Alan talks about it. It's in this spiritual realm. Well, I certainly haven't got the appropriate radio or the television. I can't hear any of those. And we just dismiss ourselves before we've even started to walk with it, you know. Go on. Well, no. Because what we're talking about here is that it's a God-given word through you and you act with authority on that God-given word that brings life, right? It's not that... No, you haven't just decided something. No, 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 but, but just in case, if I'm... Go on. Living out of Jesus' authority, I decide to heal somebody or whatever. Yes, because you're actually told to heal the sick. You're not asked to pray for Jesus to heal the sick. You're actually told to heal them. And so, it's like... Let's get in line with God's will. What does God want to do? He wants to heal everybody. He wants everybody saved. Gosh, I haven't got to question him anymore. Right? Now, moving forward with the Holy Spirit is the key. You're in relationship with the Holy Spirit here. He's the one who knows exactly how to get that person healed, knows exactly how to give a word, knows exactly how to do it. So our role is to cooperate with him. Right? And that's what Jesus said. I only do what I see the Father doing. What did he mean by that? I follow Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's doing exactly what Father's doing. Right? Father has all these works that he does. How does he do them? He does them through the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus do them all? Through the Holy Spirit. So I, I line myself up with Holy Spirit. I earnestly desire the gifts. I line myself up with him and I follow him and he follow his anointing. Right? So that's why Jesus can walk into that place where the pool was where it stirred up with water the sick people lying around and he prays for one person our logic would be I pray for everybody in here everybody and he Jesus walks in prays for one person so that's why you can't respond to my logic and say well of course the from now on in I'm just going to go heal there heal there heal there heal there heal there heal there because that's God's will Yes, it is. It is God's will. But he has a way of doing his will, and that's what I've got to follow. Right? I've got to choose it. Now, the danger is that I fall into the pattern with, well, because I don't know what your will is, God, I won't do anything. And the, 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 the step forward for all of this is I've got to take risk. 
I've got to take risk. And in the taking of the risk of, I think I'm following your direction here, Lord, I begin to become more sensitive to his direction and more able. And we'll watch, uh, we'll watch some videos next week where we'll see a woman who's paralyzed for 25 years walk because somebody's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We'll watch another video where two young men just following the Holy Spirit on the streets see metal come out of somebody's hand and he can move his hand. You know, it's fixed in that position and he can now move it because they're following Holy Spirit, right? But they, they follow that original principle, which is God wants to heal everybody. How do you want to do that now, God? Show me how to do it. Um, in Psalm 103, verse 20, it shows that the angels perform the word of God that is proclaimed by the voice of God. So God speaks and angels then carry that word out. So uh, what Chris Vallotton was trying to point out is that this foretelling comes by the action of grace and by the action of angels. I personally, I don't think I've ever experienced angels' things. And that might be because I'm not quite in tune with it yet. Um, some people seem to be able to see angels easy. I, I, I don't yet. Um, but I don't want to say it doesn't happen because I just don't have that awareness. But he's you know, quite clear from Psalm 103, verse 20, that they certainly perform the word of God and bring about what God wants to do. Okay, so you remember forthtelling is bringing about something that hasn't yet happened. Um, okay, just going on to, oh, let me just go back a minute. Oh yes, uh, sorry, I'd missed out. To, uh, I jumped a bit on my um, on my notes here. I thought I'd missed something out. You're all a bit hot. <laughs> um, just trying to give some more testimonies or yes, stories about this forth telling and how it changes things and, and the prophet, prophet, prophetic reward. Um, Chris Vallotton's got a testimony of um, he's, if you can imagine, he's come to a small church meeting like this and uh, he's going to give prophecies to people and he chooses a lady and he says, um, you're going to lead worship. And she says to him, I'm not, I don't even know how to play an instrument. <laughs> you must have got the wrong woman. So, she, so he then has to explain, you don't understand the prophet's reward, do you? Put your belief in this word, trust it, and you will see what God's going to create. Two years later, he gets a letter. Just wanted you to know, I now lead worship in my church. I now can play the piano, and I've now released three CDs. And when I read that, I thought, oh gosh, I remember something. In the early, early days when I was trying to learn to follow Holy Spirit, 
the, uh, there was a very memorable event for me. Uh, we were at a church and um, we were responding to, trying to, try to follow words of knowledge and then pray for people. And I'd given a word of knowledge and then I started to pray for people. And I came up to this young man, uh, he was probably about 15, and I said, uh, you're a worship leader and you play the piano. And he was very happy. And that's all it was. A few years later, it must have been, I don't know, three or four years later, his dad came to our church and he said, I just want to tell you, my son plays the piano and leads worship. He said, had no interest in music beforehand. And now all of a sudden, he's now playing music and worshipping. And that's this whole forth telling, this creating. You know, God is, sees it, he speaks the word, <laughs> and they go, yes, I believe it. And all of a sudden, he's doing it. And so, um, I think that's how that gifting starts to function. So you might find yourself speaking something like that to somebody. And you need to like begin to believe that God could use you to create something that wasn't there before. And upon your little words that come out of your mouth will be God's word and it will accomplish what it goes out to perform and it could be stunning. Do you understand what I mean? It could be stunning. Go on. Uh, no, I wanted you to, this um, feeling, uh, growing in confidence that he could use you, your words out of your mouth to bring a change in somebody's life like that. Because sometimes it, you can think, well, it happens to Alan, but I doubt whether it'll ever happen to me. You know, And I just want you to start to believe that it is. And, and I'm trying to move you on further than the week's bit of prophecy that you did to say there's a whole lot more out there in prophetic words for you to get involved in. And it's stunning. And to think that you could be involved with seeing these things happen and changing people's lives, I think it's the most exciting stuff out there. You're prophetic. It's not just, I'm giving you a nice word, makes you feel nice. Oh gosh, no, there's a lot more than that. Okay? So let's go on to visions now. Um, so the two types of visions, visions of your mind and, vision, uh, and open visions. So a vision of a mind is in which the Lord projects images and pictures on the screen of your mind. So just we all can do it easily. Just imagine a plate of fish and chips. Got it in your mind's eye. Know what it looks like. You can even smell it. So all God does is use that ability that's in us to project a picture onto it. And just like you did on Sunday, you went and gave that picture to somebody and they were very encouraged by it. So all he's doing is just using that ability that we have in our imagination and, and just anointing it, okay? Because I can go to any person out there in the street and say, can you imagine this in your mind's eye? And they all can. So all God does is his spirit comes on top of that ability and he makes it just as you did. He gave, you gave those pictures to him, okay? So our imagination comes under the influence of the Holy Spirit this can feel like our own thoughts and sometimes you can miss it. You know, it's just, there's not much difference between imagining a plate of fish and chips and 
God's picture coming in their mind. You know, <laughs> there's not much different, and you can miss it if you're not really in tune or expecting it or believing in it, really. Now, an open vision, this is an image you are having with your natural eyes. It's like uh, I can see you all here, and if I turn this way, an, an open vision would be I am now seeing that vision with my natural eyes in front of me. Um, and usually you can still interact with people. You know, you can say, oh, I can describe what I'm seeing. I'm telling you about it. It's like you're not in a trance. It's just that you're seeing this vision with your open eyes. Um, it's like the Holy Spirit's got a television set and he's just put it there. And you can, oh, I can see the television set. <laughs> I can see what's happening. And I, I found... I've never. I don't have many of them. Um, I have quite a number, of, you know, on my mind, but I don't have many of them. And I've found that the, the ones that I have that have felt like I'm getting close to that, it's a bit like um, the mind one becomes far more vivid, and it's a bit more. It's on the edge of my eyes. And I just recount one for you. Um, I was just. I was praying and said, Lord. Um, just open heaven to me. I want to see what heaven's like. And all of a sudden I saw this very vivid picture, enormous hall, right, and windows. But the windows, you know, it's like all glass wall, if you like, but it was open. You could see past into, you know, into the wonderful countryside. But as if the wall wasn't really there, it was continuous, although... The wall's a bit difficult to describe what it felt like. Any enormous place. Uh, and then here is a, a person that's just got saved. And the angels are bringing them down the hall. And who are we coming to, of course? It's Father God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. There you could see them. And then as this person came close uh, you know, to Father, light comes out of Father into the person. And from the person back to Jesus. And from Jesus back to the person, to the Holy Spirit, and back again. And this light just pulsated around. And then all of a sudden, there's no longer any definition between the person, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. They've just become one. One. And I thought, oh, gosh, I've just seen what happens when you give your life to Jesus. You know, I've said, please take me into heaven. And then all of a sudden, I'm seeing it. Now, it was felt so vivid. It was more like I could see it there as if I was in it. So it's a bit merging between my mind and being a television set, really. And I could talk to the people who was in our cell group. I was just talking to people about what I was seeing. So, and so I haven't had many of the television set ones, but they can come. And he can give them to you, okay? Dreams. Um, dreams are important. God uses dreams to open us up to, to the spirit realm. Again, it's the language of the, of the spirit realm. Um, so there's two types, virtual reality dreams and reality dreams. <laughs> so virtual reality dream. This is the, actually a vision of the mind that we have while we're asleep. So that same idea of the plate of fish and chips, it's occurring while we sleep and we see it in, in our mind's eye. We all dream. Uh, we all, it's all natural process, just in the same way as it's a natural process to be able to imagine something. It's a natural process for us to dream. 
But again, Holy Spirit can come on a dream and it becomes, um, you know, he anoints it and brings revelation with the dream. And they often need interpretation when you wake up. They need understanding. So Daniel in two, chapter 2, verses 31 to 36, is this type of dream. So if you have a read of that, Daniel, Daniel 2, you can see that he's having that type of dream. Now, I'll give an example of one that I had, which was very significant for our church. Um, a gentleman had come from New Zealand, and uh, he was a great guy, he was a Christian guy. He'd come uh, to share his testimony of what had happened to him, dramatic healing that had taken place in his life. But there was a bit about his character that wasn't so clever. And in the week that he was with us, uh, you started to feel, as a leader of the church, did it feel like he was trying to draw people away to himself, make them part of his group? He wanted to have them as part of it. What's going on here? Um, night. Uh, Andy and Sharon were very taken with what was happening, uh, etc. So I'm a dream, and in this dream, I can see fire coming. Now, this is not Holy Spirit fire that's wonderful. This is just fire that's dangerous. Oh, gosh. And then in my dream, this is in my mind's eye, I can see a, a corral. Remember with the um, cowboys and Indians and all the covered wagons in the corral, you know, and everybody's asleep in these, in these uh, wagons. And, you know, the, there's a fencing around, two arch, double archway like that. This is now getting caught with fire. Fire's beginning to burn. And I find myself ringing an alarm, you know, a fire alarm bell. You know, wake up, will you? This isn't right. There's something going wrong. I, I wake up. Oh! And I know it's about this guy from New Zealand. So I share it with the other leaders, Andy and Sharon, etc. And the, wonderfully, the Holy Spirit just prompts them. And we said, thank you very much, but maybe you'd like to go back to New Zealand. Again, you know, there's that warning in the Spirit just came that something wasn't quite right here and that we needed to take action. And so dreams are important. Uh, in that case, I didn't need an interpretation. I knew what it was <laughs> when I woke up. Sometimes when you wake up, you need some interpretation. You need to ask somebody. What do you think this means? Is there, do you feel the Holy Spirit on this? Reality dream. This is a real experience of our spirit has in the spirit world when, we, when our soul's asleep. So our soul is asleep, but our spirit has a real experience, a real encounter in the spirit realm. Um, in Matthew 2, the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream. It's a real encounter going on here, you know, Tell Joseph, take Jesus after Egypt. You know, it's a real encounter taking place. Um, and we need to take notice of these things because they're very important, very important. I had a, a wonderful encounter which was very real in a dream. So I'm asleep, my spirit's awake, and this dream was stunning. Me as my spirit man, I know who I was, walks into the presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus takes his hand, puts it into my chest. You could feel it happening. Put it into my chest and said, receive my faith. And I woke up. I knew what had happened. I knew that he had just placed face, his faith again in me. It was just like, oh, it was real. 
So dreams, reality dreams are your spirit is having a real spiritual experience with God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in that engagement. And so, you know, just begin to honor the dreams that you, that you have. Start to take notice of them. Get a book, write them down. Often we wake up and we don't even remember our dreams, okay? That's just normal, natural dreams. But sometimes a dream is given. God hands on it. Uh, write it down and take note of them. Not all dreams come from God. So it's pretty obvious that, isn't it? Uh, you can hear from yourself, that's what I was just saying, your body needs to dream and it does it quite effectively. Uh, but you can also have a dream from an evil spirit that can come into your dream. You know, kids often get nightmares, don't they? Where, and there are, there's something happening to them and we need to take authority over that evil spirit that's coming. Uh, and, God, and God gives dreams as well. So pray for interpretation. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what's happening. Get revelation. You know, begin to believe in what he's doing. Um, not all dreams that look bad are from an evil spirit. I think I told you about the story of um, Alice Creswell. Uh, no, yes, Alice Creswell it is. Um, of in Chester. Uh, she was having dreams that were like nightmares of monsters chasing her. And she did all the prayer, get rid of that demon, I don't want that anymore. Uh, I can't stand having this, these things attacking me. And nothing changed. And then she began to feel that the Holy Spirit was saying to her, this is not from the enemy, this is from me. And what authority do you have? She said, I've got all authority in heaven and earth. I've got everything. Okay, then use your authority. That night she went to bed saying, okay, in the name of Jesus, I have authority over everything. And in that dream, she found herself chasing the monsters. And then, a Sunday came when she heard the Holy Spirit say there's going to be a woman with a demon manifesting in church. I want you to deal with it. She rang the pastor and said, this Sunday there's going to be a lady manifesting a demon. I'm going to deal with it. I want you to know beforehand that it's going to happen. She, it occurs. The woman's manifesting. She goes off, casts the demon out. So that whole sequence of dreams and events was the Holy Spirit teaching her what authority she had over demonic forces. Now, when you're not really focusing correctly on your, what's the truth of, of dreams, etc., uh, is that you can think, oh, that's just, just the enemy. It's attacking me. It's attacking me. And no, it's not. It's God revealing truths to you. Okay? So become good stewards of your dreams. I, I would recommend, you know, have a little dream book that you're writing down because you'll be surprised how many God's speaking to you through them once you start to honor them really um, and ask for him to speak to you through your dreams. Trances is another way in which God speaks to people. I've never had a trance myself but it's a very Christian thing. Um, the Greek word for trance means out of your mind. <laughs> so there we go, that's what it's like. A person becomes out of their mind and engulfed in the mind of Christ. The person is unaware of their surroundings when it happens. Okay? In the trance, they can interact with visions, 
much like a virtual reality dream. If you could imagine that, virtual, virtual reality, glasses on and you're walking around in that. That's what a trance is like. Peter and Paul had trances. You remember Peter on the praying and he falls into a trance and he sees the things come down. You know, he's told, don't call anything unclean. And then that's the opening for the gospel coming to us, the Gentiles. That was a trance. Paul had trances. Trances are sovereign acts of God. They're not things that we try to create. We don't try to fall into a trance or make ourselves become in trance-like state. It's something that God gives when he needs to give it. Okay? I've never had one. Uh, I remember, what's his name? two guys but I remember it. Uh, Ivan Allen remember him telling me one where he said he was just in a church meeting like this the Holy Spirit came on him he ended up he was underneath the table and he was in a trance and when he was in this trance he was in another place with Father God and healing came with regard in his relationship with Father so just a stunning thing where you come into the presence of God like that um, Okay, so that's trances. So we've gone through prophecy. We've gone through, um, you know, dreams and trances. And now we get to distinguishing of spirits or discernment. So let me just ask you a few questions. Can a Christian have a demon? Can they? Don't know. Can they? Can a Christian have a demon? No, you'd, th- you'd say no. Okay, how about yourself? Miriam? You don't think so. Well, I'll give you my testimony, and then you might understand that they can. Um, and when I'm talking about a demon, I'm, I don't mean possession, I mean demonization. It's a bit like they cling to you. So if you can imagine they've got Velcro, they've just stuck on. What do they do? They whisper a lie into your belief system. So, many, 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 many years ago, I used to lead worship. It's a bit of a nonsense thing, really, because I'm not a musician. I don't know musical things. But I used to lead worship. And I was leading the worship when we had an external speaker, uh, Jean Darnell, come, a wonderful prophetic woman, come from London, came up to minister. And I obviously didn't do a particularly good job of leading worship. I was, I was enjoying it. Others, particularly Dean Darnell and June, were not feeling that I was doing a good job. Um, so the following day, June comes to me and says, Alan, I don't want you to lead worship again because I just don't think you've really got that gifting or calling on your life to do it. Now, that sounds like quite a sensible, logical thing to do. How are we going to mature and grow up if we're not willing to share sensible truths with each other okay except for this person called alan pierce felt that he was really being attacked he felt that he was being uh, what the the thought that ran through my mind was well how can i ever do anything for god again because i thought i was following the holy spirit then and if i wasn't following the holy spirit then i will never know whether i'm following the holy spirit now, that seems to be a lie from the pit, doesn't it? But that, what, that came into my thinking. The result of that thought in my thinking was 
my relationship with June just fractured. I, I was leading the church. I was full time. I used to be around at June's house, who was also leading the church. We did it together every day, talking about church things. Stop going. Why did I stop going? It was because I felt hurt, because I felt wronged, right? What else is happening? All of my feelings of God, well, I don't know where you are, God, because, you know, you're now telling me off for doing it wrong. You know, all that wrong thinking is just building up, building up. Six months like this, six months, right? Fractured, disconnected from church leadership, can't believe I can follow God or anything. A guy comes to church who is, um, has a, a ministry in deliverance. And he just started talking truths about who we are, what God says of us, what he's doing in our lives. And I could hear truth coming here. I am loved in the beloved. Meaning, it, the truth was coming to me. I am loved. I am loved by God. And I'm loved by June, right? That's what was coming, this truth was coming. Okay, I know then, that's the truth. And everything else over this six-month period has been a lie. But I don't know how to get out of this because this lie is just like, it's like real in me. I'm just living it. Go down the front to the guy. Guy said, okay, it's easy enough. We're just going to tell it to go. And he had a, a, a name for it, fear of... Um, I'm sure it was fear of man because there was a fear thing going on here. So he just told it to go. I began to shake like this all over. After a while, he said, you know, after telling it to go, 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 come on, fear, out to come. He says, well, it's gone. And I'm still shaking like this. I said, you sure? Because <laughs> I'm just like this. He said, yeah, that's just your body reacting to its having left, but it has gone. Oh, if it's gone, I'm in my right mind then. So what did I do then? I went straight to June and I said, please forgive me. And I wasn't able to do that one minute before that prayer, right? I, was, I could have worked that out in my brain, but could I have ever done it? No. Now I'm free. I can come to you now and say, I forgive you. She just hugged me. Fantastic. I've never led worship ever since. <laughs> and I'm very happy. <laughs> okay. But I'm free. And therefore, I know Christians can have a demon. And those demons can speak lies. That's what they do. And we have been given the authority to tell them to leave. All right? Personally, you tell the thing, get off your own life or somebody else's life, tell it to go. And you really, you're responding to the gift of distinguishing of spirits. It's the ability to understand whether something is from God, from the enemy, or from us as human beings. Because it can be all three things going on here. Okay, so it's to know the source of the spiritual activity that's taking place. You will know it. And many prophetic people experience this. Oh, I can, oh, I can see that over there. I can realize that's happening there. But they don't really know what to do with it. You know, they just... And it can actually fall into suspicion. And suspicion is the worst thing. It's this evil stepmother. Because... <laughs> We are not called to be suspicious of people or things. We, yeah, we're not called to be suspicious. Okay. So we sense, we distinguish, distinguishing of spirits comes through a feeling. 
It's like you know it in your knower. You know something in, you know this, <laughs> right? Or you hear it, you hear it, and you're hearing something. Or it can come through a smell, um, or you, just a sensation on you, and you're, gosh, you know where this is. And you've been given authority to deal with it, you know. Just a little side issue here. When people are manifesting with the Spirit of God on them, you usually cannot tell by observation whether they're, you know, oh, look, that person's bouncing on the floor. By observation, I can't usually tell whether that is God, an evil spirit, themselves. I can't. And I, it's very easy to fall into suspicion and think, oh, well, they're always emotional. That, you know, it's really nothing there. And yet, this distinguishing spirit shows you something else. So in the early days of Toronto, when people were making the sounds of cockerels or roaring like a lion in their worship times, and churches, other churches were looking at it saying, that cannot be right. God doesn't do that, right? I, I'm, they're just using observation. That doesn't fit right. John Arnott said, well, I actually know that person, Andy, who made this roaring lion. And I know what his character's like. I know him. And I know. So there was something else going on here. I discern now that actually what's happening is God. And it really, really was. And it took churches ages to go on to the Holy Spirit manifestation here was good. So often you can't tell that um, manifestation, whether it's from God, just by observation. And, I mean, to be honest, we've had people leave our church because people's manifestations get up their nose a bit. They can't stand it. And I think, yeah, it's a sad that because you're observing something. You don't like the sound of it. You don't like the shape of it. You don't like, and therefore you, oh, I've got to go back here. And, and I would say to people, no, you, it's, you can't tell like that. You've got to hear the spirit. When Nikki was first on the school here, um, and I asked the Holy Spirit to come. She's making all the wonderful noises that Nikki makes. And she was apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do this. I'm very, very sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm saying, Nikki, why are you saying sorry? Because my past church leaders have told me that I shouldn't be as emotional as this. I must curb it. I must control it. I must become more mature. Stop. I'm a leader in the church. I give you permission to make all the noise you like from now on in. Because I can't really tell what is God and what isn't God. I have to run, I have to walk with the person. I have to walk with them. I know that if I go, I'll just curb you like that, what have I done? I've just squashed the Holy Spirit. Now, years later, oh gosh, you know the presence of God on Nikki. All the time, all the time. And, and that's what, you know, in terms of maturity, in terms of church leadership, you have to run with people and just recognize what the good that's in them and let them, let them grow and mature and develop. The Holy Spirit is able to do wonderful things with people. <laughs> Daniel eight twenty seven. Daniel says he was exhausted and sick for many days after having an experience with the Holy Spirit. Now, why is I'm bringing that one out? Because... We would naturally, with our mind, think, well, if you're exhausted and sick for many days, that couldn't have been God. That must have been an evil spirit. And therefore, we must deal with it as an evil spirit. No, 
Daniel had an encounter with God, leaving him physically sick and emotionally exhausted. Okay, so you can't just tell by observation whether it's God or not. You need that presence of the Holy Spirit coming. Um, also, discerning the spirits is not just, oh yeah, that one's personal. That's got a demon, I'm going to cast this demon out. You're, you're, di you're distinguishing the source of the spiritual activity. And the, twice now, I've been asked... <laughs> We're going up again now, are we? <laughs> Are you? Okay. Um, twice now, I've been um, asked to go to somebody's house, but it's, usually it's the wife, and said, will you come and speak to my husband? Um, he doesn't think he's saved, and he needs to get saved. So could you come? So I go in. It's June's neighbor. I'm going to June's neighbor. And the minute I walk in, Holy Spirit's through that distinguished spirit, you're saved said look I don't need to do anything you have given your life to Jesus and the wife's looking totally bemused and I, you're saved and, and he said I am aren't I I said yes you are uh, how do you know it you know through that distinguishing of spirit there's another one I was giving communion out in church I was uh, that day we were giving communion out so I was going down the line communion 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 I could see the Pam there was there and then her um, boyfriend Roger was there I'm coming down, coming down, giving the bread, and somebody else was giving the wine, so I've come to Roger, the body of Christ, and she's mouthing to me, he's not saved, he's not saved. Like that. I said, receive the body of Christ, you are saved. And she said, she's not saved, she hasn't given me life. <laughs> and Roger's stream, he's like, pour, like tears pouring, and he gave his life to Jesus. She didn't know. But he had, and the Holy Spirit knew, and I just was confirming him. And so that's the distinguishing of spirit working, so that it's not you're not seeing the demon, you're seeing God at work in someone. Even when they were confused themselves as to whether or not it had all happened, it, it was happening. Distinguishing of spirit occurs in, in leading services. You feel what he's doing, you sense where he's going, you're aware of it, you want it to go in a, you know, he wants to go in a certain direction. You, you do all that you can to try and lead it, a bit like we were watching, do you remember, with the ladies from Toronto, you know, not sure what we're doing, but we feel God wants us to use the sword, or, you know, she was going to give the book reports, to, oh, the presence of God's here, I'm going to carry on with him. You know, you feel that as you're leading it, and that's distinguishing the spirits. That's that, that gift at work. Now, it's not Oh, well, Alan's got it, and I haven't got it. No. You've the Holy Spirit, and he will use the giftings to enable you to do what he's asking you to do, right? Can you grow in maturity in those gifts? Oh, yes, you can. Will I have to learn how to pray for the sick? Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> will I have to learn how to prophesy? Yes, you will. You know, we had a whole week of trying to learn how to prophesy. Uh, you know, will you have to grow in your maturity and giving words and knowledge, etc. Oh, yes, you will. Do I have access to it all? Oh, yes, you do. Could he give that gifting through me? Could I see a miracle take place? Oh, yes, you could. Because the Spirit of God's in you, right? 
God's voice, um, he speaks to us through that still, small voice, doesn't he? Um, you know, those encounters with him are frequent. We experience those intimate moments where he talks to us. Those passing thoughts that come into our minds. That sudden impression of something comes to us. That internal knowing of him being with you. That engagement that you have with him when you say, I love you, and he says, I love you back. When he says, I love you, and you go, I love you. When I like being in your presence, I honor you. And all of those still small voices take place. And, and you're, you know, you're walking in this direction, you hear, ooh, I'm going to go that way. Because you've you got that still small voice coming to you. So another way that language of God comes into your life, and that can come when you're leading the service, when you're praying for people, etc., so these, all these giftings are there for you to enjoy. Words of knowledge. Um, these are facts or facts, you know, fact or facts communicated to you by the Lord. He gives that information to you. Often used within healing, but not always. Okay? Um, with Sean Boltz, and I bet you've been reading his book, we see that words of knowledge can be used in the prophetic ministry. And that's why I say it's like gift clusters come together. Those words of knowledge about the person, about what they're like, enables them to respond to the prophetic word that's coming. Um, sometimes when we're prophesying, we say something about someone that turns out to be true. So an example might be, oh, I see that you're a nurse. And they go, yes, I am. Now, you haven't prophesied there. You've given a word of knowledge, right? Now, for long enough, I used to think I was prophesying. Um, it's only Sean Boltz that's really helping me understand. Oh, gosh, look, that's the gift cluster taking place. You know, I've often, we say with our Destiny students, I've said, oh, you like art. And the person goes, yes, I do. And I've not prophesied. I've actually spoken a word of knowledge. You know, I've had a bit of knowledge given to me. What does it do? It opens the person up. Oh, God knows about me. It's for the next bit that's coming, for them to believe it, right? To hear it and believe it. And so expect, start to expect to get information coming so that you can, um, you know, knowledge that wasn't there before. He gives it to you, you share it. They go, oh, yes, that's right. You expect to see that happening. I mean, Sean Boltz, when he was here, oh, it was Stunningly good. I don't, whether, I don't know whether I've told you this, but I'll tell it again because it's just lovely. Uh, my uh, daughter-in-law, Lisa, was with me. Um, her best friend, Celia, and Ruth. Um, Ruth wasn't in the meeting, but her husband, Timo, was. So Celia and Ruth were her, Lisa's best friends. So much going on. He's giving his wonderful talk about love. And then he says, I just feel God's got some words for people here. Um, so... He gives the name of Celia's baby. Right? So Celia just had a baby about three or four months before. Gives the uh, Grace. Grace. Grace Dean. Well, I mean, that's Celia's surname is Dean, Grace Dean. Ah, oh, Celia's like excited. Oh, you know my baby. Right? God, you know my baby. So then he gives a prophetic word for Grace Dean. Well, what does a mum do? Well, she's hanging on every word, because this is Father speaking to her baby, right? Then, you know, um, Sean Boltz goes, um, he gives out a, a date. And Timo sticks his hands up, that's my wife's birthday. And so Sean goes, 
I see you hacking down a tree. And Timo goes, oh, surname's hack. You know, I mean, I would never have said hack down a tree. I would say cut down a tree or chop down a tree. I never use the word hack, but he did. That's my surname. So what does Timo go? He's, oh, gosh, God's speaking to us here. Here's this prophetic word to both, for Ruth in particular. It was Ruth's birthday. Now, what's happening to those two families? They were about to leave our church and go off and do further ministry. Timo and Ruth off to Germany. Ben and Celia off to Norway. to go. And, uh, uh, ben and Celia working in a school in Norway and Timo and Ruth working with passion. Wonderfully prophetic words. Now, what did it do to my daughter-in-law? She's sobbing. She's not had a prophetic word. She's not had anything. But she's sobbing. She said, God's real. God's real. Do you know God's real? God's real. <laughs> you know, the, in the revelation that God knew all the hairs on her head was no longer just a nice little story I might tell my children. It's a reality. He knows everything about me. Everything about me. Everything. And so she was just captivated by the revelation of the, the clarity of this word of knowledge coming. Um, so another example from Chris Vallotton. I think this one's stunning. And it's how words and knowledge can come into dreams. At this time, Chris Vallotton's got a car repair business. And they have a computer system that is um, uh, on its last legs. And they can't afford to replace it. Uh, they need it. It has three levels of um, uh, price levels. So three price levels. And they need it to have five. They've had the computer experts in. And they said, there's no way you can upgrade this computer system to do five. You're going to have to... Get rid of it and buy a whole new one. And they couldn't afford. Well, you know, it's like, God, we need help here. Please can you solve my computer? Either, you know, you're going to give me money, provision, and I'm going to buy one. Uh, or you're going to give me a computer expert who can fix it. Will you do some other miracle, God, you know. That night, he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees a series of numbers. Now, this is why I say, have your little notebook by you because he would forget this in the morning. He saw the dream. He had these numbers. He woke up and wrote them down. And he knew that they were to do with his computer. Now, he wasn't computer literate, but his wife was. So he wakes her up. This is three in the morning. Wakes her up. We've got to go down to the car um, uh, factory and, uh, you know, to our office and put this into the computer. So I can't wait till the morning. No, no, we've got to do it now. So they go down, three, four in the morning, and he says to her, put these numbers in the computer. So first three numbers in, and they go into a screen behind what we would normally see. And the next three numbers in, the computer makes its noise. Five levels of price on the computer, which the experts have said was impossible. God did it that way. So, you know, Words of knowledge can come in dreams. I think it's just a stunning story of how God's provision for us can come when we are believing and expecting and whatever for what God can do. Words, um, we won't go more into any more detail about words of knowledge because we're going to do that in another time. And I wanted us to start to practice words of knowledge. Sean Bolts has been practicing for 15 years, so we can start practicing and start trying to get detailed words of knowledge. 
to help us so that when we're going with a picture, we can also run with a detailed word of knowledge, maybe somebody's date, maybe their um, passport number, maybe their whatever comes from God because he knows everything about them. And we'll practice that on another occasion. But, <laughs> I mean, Carl Fletcher, I remember him giving registration number to a lady in, in a, a church, local church here, you know, car registration number. So God knows everything about us. We just need to become confident to share those particular words. So I've got to the end of my talk about the revelatory gifts and then to try and inspire you really to, I'm earnestly desiring this now because there's more out there for me to be involved in and, be, and see. Thank you for listening to the Destiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.